0: Welcome back again to another episode of the OYMB podcast. I am your host, Ruri Fairbairns. And today I have the opportunity to share the next hour or so with Mr. Neil Mankey. Neil is a distinguished senior level recruitment professional with profound impact on healthcare and third sectors. Neil empowers organizations to make strategic talent decisions, fostering growth. More importantly, beyond what he does as a day job, Neil is a dedicated advocate for neurodiversity as the chair of ADHD UK. His compelling talks on ADHD have resonated with prestigious organisations shaping a more inclusive workplace. Today, Neil and I are going to talk about the similarities we feel about being ADHD, how passionate we both are about helping people with ADHD and the incredible resources and organisation that Neil is a volunteer for, helping people understand, relate to, help others with, and just know that there are solutions, tools, and support out there for ADHD. So if you've even wondered, considered, thought that you or someone you know or love is ADHD or has ADHD, then this podcast is worth listening to. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you for having me, Rory. Good, good to see you again. Last time I saw you, well, uh, I have I've seen you, you know, virtually, but last time we were together in person was in a pub. It was in a pub in just off German Street outside the office where I worked. That must have been many years ago now. Um, and you had done, I don't know how many days you'd done, but you, you'd you been alcohol-free, 90 days, way past the 90 days, a few months in, um, and we were filming some testimonials, and you very kindly volunteered to come down
1: and be in a pub and shoot a testimonial. First thing in the morning. I think that was 2016 or 17. It was when you and Andy were very, I think, just quite early on in one year, no beer, I think. Very early. And, exactly. And, and it was, I think for myself, having signed up for the, 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 the challenge, I think it was a 90-day challenge. Um, Yeah, it, it really helped me. It really helped me. It, it, it was more sure I'd get onto it. It took me a while to actually get past that 90 days and and what i found i was doing over the probably from 2016 17 to when i kind of stopped in 2021 i one, I'd do pockets of one month here three months there and i could never i guess i never found the strength or or if or, you want to call it that to go fully dry if that makes sense um but it did help and the difference was was noticeable for sure yeah
0: Yeah, I think that's quite a common journey, Neil. A lot of people um, come and do, you know, a a month or a dry jan or it's coming to that season, right? Dry jan, silly season, or silly season and then dry jan. And we'll use dry jan as an excuse to to get absolutely well in December. But anyway, that's probably wasn't you But I think this process of changing a relationship with alcohol, well, it can take time. It it takes time of um, trying, stopping for a bit, Letting it creep back in, realizing that's not what you want, going back to a challenge again. But before we get into that and more good stuff, um, yeah, why don't you give us a bit of background into Neil, um, a bit of how you arrived here? And I think obviously today we're going to be talking about ADHD as the main topic um, and its relation to alcohol and your personal journey. But yeah. perhaps just give us a background in terms of you know your relationship with alcohol and also how you came onto this. ADHD, yeah,
1: no, work by all means. So, um, it's like like most people that I was been hanging around with. My my relationship with alcohol started in you know, my teenage years, um, and being uh being a seventies child. Not that you'd believe it. I'm joking, but being a a seventies child, um, you know, I started drinking, dabbling with 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 booze when I was fourteen. So that would have been you know early nineties. Um and it kind of kicked on from there and it was it was part of the norm, you know, like parents used to give me a bit of alcohol here and there when I was younger because it was I guess the I guess I guess probably a bit more ignorant to it back then, weren't we? Like a lot of things. Um totally. you know, and, and, and over time we evolve and we we we, we 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 learn and we grow and we understand the 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 benefits and the the, the negatives of certain things, alcohol certainly being one of them. Um but yeah, so I started when I was fourteen, and that kind of just went into my late teens, um, my twenties, my thirties, um, and you know, all of this was happening whilst before I realised I had an addictive. Well, I kind of realised I had an addictive personality in a lot of in a lot of different ways, but I, I didn't realise I had ADHD. Oh, I was using alcohol, I think, to mask over a lot of challenges that I had mentally. Um, so I, you know. I, I, I don't mind sharing with you that I was, I saw my first psychiatrist when I was, I think 18, 19, um, mm-hmm. cause I, I, I had a real lack of through school based, I failed school in terms of grades. And I was that, I was that kid with ADHD, you know, that stereotypical, crazy, annoying person or kid, so <laughs> that would, um, for those
0: not watching the YouTube channel, I just pointed very firmly at my own face, but, um, it was,
1: it, you know, it. Fundamentally, I guess coming out of school with no no qualifications and then being asked to leave to leave college after three months through lack of attendance and wanting to dabble in other things, um, to mark I guess what now was a lot of what was going on in my head. And yeah, I never felt like I fitted in. You know, I never kind of felt like I belonged to the society in the world that we have, have built. If that makes sense. So I, I totally. i totally. know. I used alcohol um, and other things as a way to kind of self-medicate and and stop that incessant buzz that that was going on in my head um so yeah from like early 20s to you know through to my late 30s early 40s before diagnosis I've I suffered from mental health challenges and and it was probably around similar to when we met in 2016 that I succumbed to the fact that I needed some some help mentally and um took myself to the doctors and got given sertraline and what have you mm. um but it wasn't until I saw a documentary it wasn't a documentary it was the one show the BBC One show um yeah. so I can tell you when it was, it was 2019 um and there was a there was a lad on there who had ADHD but he was a young adult um in his twenties and he was going over the symptoms ADHD and um I looked at my partner at the time and she had been with her for for 20 years and she kind of thought yeah that's a year I was the same so queue lots of um, Google searches and of of online ADHD tests yeah (laughs) self-diagnose self-diagnose which is you can't do that obviously you need to go get a proper assessment but that then led to me going to see my GP NHS wait times in my area like most regions which we can come on to later are, um, are are ridiculously long so I, um, I I actually just paid to go privately, and I found a ADHD um, clinic in Harley Street in London, um, went and saw them, had an assessment, lasted around two and a half hours, went over lots of stuff around childhood and addiction and things like that. Um, and yeah, long story short, was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, comorbid with um, ADHD of the combined type, and being brewery. Brutally honest with you is the best thing that's ever happened to me rory actually having that diagnosis because well it took me out of the clinic and just like oh my god he literally was just this wait, i'm not fucking mental i do have something wrong with now, me I, technically i guess i might be a little bit but it depends You can tell you look at it, it could you know define normal exactly normal to you might be you know completely totally. me so um, the the diagnosis was great. It was really really good because it gave me, uh, I guess, it gave me a platform to then go away and and try and work with it, as opposed to work against it, which which I've been doing most of uh, most of my cool. without really. Well, well, also that it, it, you know that is built. That's built by
0: society. Uh, you know, if I if I compare to my own growing up, right, I resonate very strongly with being different not fitting in and and what was out in society was oh you're're're you're, you're trouble or you're you have a problem or you because you can't sit still in class and you can't focus there's something wrong with you and you need more discipline and um, and I think that all facilitates this belief system inside ourselves about not belonging and having something wrong with us and and you know what's wrong with me and why can't I just sit still and be like everybody else and you know why am I unique? And there's positives and negatives to that, right? I think in essence, if you're if you're like me, which it sounds like you're exactly like me, you know, I built up this belief that I was different, unique, and special, which is make which is a, a an engine for me. I'm like, hey, if I am, and I was given that gift, then I need to be that. So it's like an engine. But the negativity was that it created all this loneliness and despair and all of those things. Um, and when I read, you know, the ADHD for Dummies was the first book I read after coming out from a, a psychiatrist's um, place saying You have ADHD. Uh, I was just so immensely relieved, like you. And I think more importantly, I, I could hand the book to my wife, and she was like, "Ah, oh. Uh, oh,
1: you know, game changer." Yeah, and I think having having that, you know, having that support and, and surrounding yourself. I guess it's the same in any walk of life, isn't it? That you can surround yourself with blind-minded people that, that you can learn from in that respect as well. Whether that's whether that's from the booze, you know, or whether that's from, from an ADHD and mental health perspective. Um, I found that challenging at first to build that network, um, for sure, because the vast majority of people that are my friends and that I've grown up with um, have known Neil that likes to go down the pub on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, and the likes. You know, I, I, I'm now... And it'd be uncomfortable doing it at first, you know. Um, but but now I can happily go in the pub and have a tonic water or a you know non-alcoholic beer and what have you, and then just swerve when they get to their five, fourth or fifth pint when things start to you know, when you just lose interest in the conversation. Um, but I think you know the ADHD side, it was it, it, it was really good for me. And looking back from from a from a working perspective, you know, in the last twenty years, I've Prior to diagnosis, I'd had 13 jobs, one, three in a, wow. a 20 year period all within the same industry, um, or industries, I should say, because I've been in Is it recruitment to recruitment? Yeah, I've done recruitment for the last 12 years. And prior to that, I was an estate agent. So the, uh, the estate agent turns into a recruiter, <laughs> you know, having come out of, of school with no education, um, or no qualifications, I should say, then, you know, sales was something that I guess I kind of turn to and um and 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 here we are but the the benefits of the diagnosis of of now being able to work with with the challenges that come with having adhd um has been really really positive you know we're doing a lot of work with the charity that I'm, i'm chair of adhd uk really proud to be chair of as well started off as an ambassador for them after my diagnosis um and then well, well well, just tell me about that. I'm 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 really
0: interested to hear that. Like, I mean, there's lots of people out there who get diagnosed with ADHD or think they're ADHD. Actually, just before we go on to that, let's yeah. this wind back a little bit here. You mentioned that you watched the one show and they said some stuff which resonated so strongly with you that you thought, I'm gonna go and check this out. Yeah. What was that? The reason why I want to know what, what was that is, there's going to be people listening to this. So um, I, I I would say the vast majority of people who come to complete control, business owners, execs, high achievers, they're all either identify with, think they are, or have been diagnosed on that scale of neurodivergence, right? Not specifically ADHD, ADD, bipolar, OCD, right? So they are they're 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 resonating with that now. Let's talk about. Let's just talk a little bit about what inspired you. Of that, that, that. What were they saying? What was happening? What was it that made you think that you might be ADHD?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, I think when you look into the traits of ADHD and 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 those that identify um, as as being part of, you know, if you've got seventy to eighty percent of these traits, then you there's a high probability that ADHD is. It's, 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 you know, what you have. So, you know, anxiety and depression are, are, are high up on that. That doesn't mean to say if you've got anxiety and depression, you've got ADHD. Of course it doesn't. But when you have anxiety and depression, um, and that's presenting quite a lot along with, you know, getting easily distracted, not being able to focus and pay attention. Um, or you can go the complete polar opposite of that and have hyper focus, which tends to be on things that you like, um. Poor organisational skills, um, poor timekeeping. I'm the polar opposite of that. So I'm, I'm my poor timekeeping is I'm always super early, <laughs> as opposed to super late. I'm I'm the polar opposite um, in that regard. So, you know, poor memory, um, fidgeting. I think that's a classic one, isn't it? Fidgeting and moving while talking, um, losing track of conversations. You know, I find it really really hard if I'm in a noisy environment to be able to hold, I was, I met my father, um, for a meal, um, with my, um, my, 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 kids and my then partner and, and his partner and we we're at a busy pizza, pizzeria in, in Winchester, um, where we are. And I remember talking to my dad, thinking, and I had to say to him, I'm really sorry, mate. I'm, it was so noisy where we were. I could hear everything going on and I couldn't focus on what my dad was trying to talk to me about. Exactly. So I can hear that conversation. Get me in a quieter environment no problem whatsoever yeah not 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 waiting to speak so buying in when people are talking um impulsively speaking out um having anger issues as well you know um that's something that's been drawn to my attention on 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 many occasions and you know, one of my employers sent me on an anger management course in my um, in my mid 20s as well um, as an example so those types of things really identify if you if you If you resonate with all of that, then there's a probability that ADHD might be um, something you have. But then ADHD presents in in different ways. You know, you've yeah, um, you've got the predominantly the kind of hyperactive, impulsive ADHD, which is kind of as I say, physics, fidgeting, constantly in motion, you're running around. And I was a kid, and my parents weren't giving me fizzy drink because they knew that would just be carnage. And then you've got the combined type, so you're a bit hyperactive um and a bit inattentive. And over over time as you age, you know, I'm no longer as hyperactive as I yeah, as, as i exactly. Um and now I'm probably more ADHD, which is probably more inattentive. Um yeah. so difficulty in focus, which I still have, easily distracted, difficulty like maintaining focus on, on one specific task um as an example. So in that noisy environment
0: um, I can't really hear people. So often people are conversing in a bar um, and they're talking. find it very difficult to hear. It takes so much load for me to hear. It's much easier for me to just drink and act out. So that's always my behavior. I'd rather be doing the dance off, jumping off the ceiling, bouncing around the room, avoiding the conversations, well, eggs are fucking boring, um, but, uh, you know, people repeating themselves, but also I can't hear. And I get really frustrated with people going, and oh, I'm just nodding my head and everything else. So I found that you know very very difficult, and you know the poor memory shows itself up as. I, I give this example, you know, <clears throat> Jen says, "Honey, can you grab me the pliers from the garage?" Uh, do you understand the level of distraction that I will go through from that moment to actually being at the garage? Right? I open the back door and I see. The garden and I'm like oh god I do need to cut the garden right and blah 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 you know this the next minute I'm starting to cut the garden and then I see a tree and I think I really should build that tree house so I get back to my phone and I start on Amazon trying to find some order next minute right she finds me you know out the front door like half building something totally irrelevant and she's like did you give me the pliers and I'm like where's the oh my god that that was that was three years ago <laughs> you know I've been distracted 95,000 times on my way to trying to find that um, so to a normal, to a, to, to a, to a human being who doesn't suffer from this thing, it can be incredibly frustrating. It's like, I just asked you a simple thing, yeah. go and get this from the garage. How can this be so complicated? What's wrong with you? You know, and, and, but the reality is during that journey, there are thousands of moments for my brain to go off into different tangents and all over the place.
1: Uh, so, well, it's, yeah. it's, it's. You've mentioned something there, which obviously is, is why what, what, what we are in touch in the first place. But, you know, you, you said when you're out at a bar, you just, when you can't get involved, feel you can get involved in conversations. Because, I mean, I personally felt about place. I think it kind of, my my default would be to get pissed. Yeah, exactly. And to the point where I would have my, my pint of beer and it. it's got half a pint in still. And I'm at the bar about to get another one because I know I'm going to sink that in a couple of gulps. Yeah. Um, and that, that was the pattern that that I had for many, many, many years. And, and now my diagnosis, I don't think it's any coincidence that a year after my diagnosis, I, I, I thought I'm gonna try, try January. I'm gonna try again, see, see how far I can go. And that's been, as I say, I I did, I did two and a half years and I had a little blip and I'm back on, back on the wagon after a, a, a blip for a couple of months where I drank three or four times. Um, and beat myself up for it but it was almost uh i'm not encouraging people to drink by the way if you've been dry for ages but i almost needed that for me personally that that reminder that sh- this is shit why the
0: yeah exactly
1: why the fuck why this- well we we we're
0: going to come on to the alcohol and the link and the intrinsic link and i really want to dial down into that and um, i'm just going to tuck back into a couple more of these really key um parts you said here so you know, you talk about easily distracted. Um, and I think, you know, we're getting more aware of that in kids. Um, but perhaps you're 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 not aware of it yourself. Um, so easily distracted slash hyper focus, right? So how can those two things coexist? Well, the the easily distracted, like I just said, trying to get the pliers from the, the garden. But the hyper focus is I can be looking at something, right? And if I'm in hyper focus. No amount of conversation or anything around me, dog barking, child falling over and cutting itself, like literally. So my child has fallen over, cut itself and is bleeding. And I'm still staring at my piece of paper. And my wife is like, are you, are you devoid of empathy? Like, how can you be, what's wrong with you? But that is hyper focus. I'm so utterly lost in this thing that's here that actually nothing else exists around. Do I love my child? Of course I do. Do I want to help <laughs> pat up my child? Yeah, it, maybe you, you know, of these things you 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 mentioned about, you know, like um, the traits of ADHD, why don't you share another personal story or personal type of behavior that you think you would have, if you were listening to this, you would resonate there that and go, oh, wow, that is me. I
1: think think, given most of us have to go to work Monday or Friday, nine to five, to earn a living and survive and pay the mortgage or the rent and and, and what have you. I think for me personally, the, the big change has been in the workplace because I've known what my strengths are now and I know where I struggle and what I'm not good at and, and, and therefore what used to cause me anxiety and what used to cause me. I mean, I was, I was, before I was diagnosed, Rory, I remember going to work in, um, a good job it was in recruitment when i was recruiting in the maritime sector um i was the third highest billing consultant in our organization out of 120 consultants uk singapore and houston um i'll be crying on the way to work in my car because i just did not want to go and face work i did not want to go and do what i was doing i had such a lack of self-worth and, and literally a self Um, suicidal thoughts uh, um, mm. And that's still, I don't want. It's, it's, I'm learning now how to deal with those, to process yeah. those. Yeah, yeah, because you still you still wrestle with them. You still <laughs> tell myself these are. It's just your mind. Just deal. park it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's only when there's challenging times. But for, like, I realise it's 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 not something that I would I would attempt, and I, know I have attempted. Thankfully, my grandfather did, and he was successful. Sadly, God. Um, but the. For me, the big learning and the key takeaway has been ensuring, and there's a lot of what we're doing at the charity as well, is talking to organizations around and businesses around how they can, how how you can embrace ADHD in the workplace to ensure that the environment that you have is diverse in general, not just for ADHD. It needs to be diverse for, you know, equality diversity and inclusion is a real hot topic and and we're seeing that i'm seeing that in my working day because it's what i do is recruitment this exec search we work with organizations to help them around their edi agenda and that hiring process but for me understanding what i'm good at so i can have that hyper focus in the day job so they then get the best out of me i then get the best out of myself um and it then helps stop the anxiety um, that would come with knowing I've got to go and do a job where I don't feel I belong. People don't understand me. I'm going to be doing tasks, and look, I still have to do tasks I don't like. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think for me, the a, a big key piece has been like since diagnosis. I've been thriving in my in my job, and you know, I feel I feel I feel I can be authentic, and I feel like I can. Yeah, exactly. Explore. I was just purely fitting in, and I was. I've said before, working against, working against it. Whereas now I'm like, this is me, people don't like it. As long as I'm not doing any harm, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being a good person, living to my values. I've got a big, big part of me wants to, you know, have a, a, a positive impact on society and, 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 and on, on other, for other people. And, yeah, no, and that's not everyone's cup of tea, but that's just, that's just me. And that, I feel that, that gives back, um i don't know if that's answered your question i don't think i have hey we've got two very adhd guys
0: having a conversation together if this follows any kind of format it will be a fucking miracle <laughs> <laughs> so let us just shoot off like a pair of fireworks together but um um i'll, I'll keep writing things down and try and try to <laughs> try and do the best of keeping us together lots in there which i want to dive into i definitely want to get into workplace and the wonderful work that you're doing and how you got into that, what inspired you. Um, I'm going to share another little story uh, again, and then I really want to dive into what happened um, with you and alcohol specifically. Let's pause just for a brief moment. I just want to share with you some of the heartfelt feedback from our incredible
2: Complete Control community members. Listen to this. I I don't know how I signed up. I think I just got an ad on Instagram and just got a whim, just hit the button and did a call and then signed up and didn't really consciously think much about it. Then after that, I was like, what did I just sign up for? Wait a second here. Like far exceeded my expectations. I'm usually extremely skeptical. So I don't know how I even signed up in the first place, but whatever it was. Um, So it's just amazing how like the transformation that I've seen and even the drinking part is just kind of the super, it, it was the Achilles heel, but it's kind of just the superficial problem. And it's like, once I kind of clear that up, there's so much more possibility and, and, you know, the exploration discussions with Gary, with Candace have just been so powerful and kind of, they both kind of focus on a different area. And then with Glenn kind of looking at my data and with my cohorts or classmates, or, you know, it's just been just, everything has just been so powerful and kind of supportive of, you know, completing the whole picture of how I do this. so, just really grateful and, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and also just feel more grateful and not only just for all of you, but just, just in life in general, it's just a little bit more clarity and peace and calm and, and, and so forth. So,
3: I am incredibly grateful for this entire program, everybody on this call, and everything that we were able to experience. Um, I think that. It delivered more than I expected. Honestly, I, I, like I've said before, I've done a couple of like challenges and different things, and I think that this, beyond um, examining my relationship with alcohol and making, I think, pretty good strides in in um, staying alcohol free, um, I think it taught me a ton about myself and how to like examine my habits and my thoughts and those kind of um, patterns and ways to ways to approach the things that worried me the most in this in this experience um have just been invaluable. I think I'm leaving feeling um in stronger in general, more self-aware in general and um just really more anchored in who I want to be and what my values are and how I can you know take better steps to achieve those. So it's been fantastic for me. And again, the our team, I, I really um, appreciate all the feedback and support from every single person on this call, but my cohort as well. It's been great. So I love everybody that I've met here. I have loved the program. I am not uh, an emotional person like this, but this has changed my life. It it, it has given me a life. Um, and there's other things I need to do too, um, but I don't have to do a clock call anymore, so Thank you. It's been an amazing journey and a very, I appreciate the professionalism. Whenever I feel the stress, I, there's, there's something that I can go back to, to everybody and the sharing from everybody and the professionalism of the program. So I loved it, and I've grown a lot. So. And kisses. One word is transformational. That's a word that's been bandied about for decades, but. In this, it is absolutely accurate if I was to use one word. This was a great investment. It's not it's not self-help, it's self-realization. It's um super powerful, but it, it exceeded my expectations or maybe it was Sharon who said that um uh, or maybe I'm exceeding my expectations and I like that. the program
0: has been hugely am hugely grateful for some program. I like think the journey of for myself has been amazing I mean I remember telling I don't know if it was Janice or Gary the first three or four weeks of the program I was like I can't stop thinking about not drinking it's just it's in my head I'm every day I'm thinking about not drinking and it's it's like now I'm not even thinking about it you know it's just like my life has sort of stepped on I'm excited about the future um
1: things are looking good things are looking good
0: I just love sharing the things people are saying about our complete control program. Okay, let's get back into the episode. I went to a conference in the U.S. Uh, for entrepreneurs. 350 entrepreneurs there. This is where I met Toto Robbins. I met Gabro Mate. Um, I, I, you know, I sat with some incredible people around the world. And this um, well-known entrepreneur got up to speak, and he started off with a slide which said, and the title was "The Description of an Entrepreneur." Okay. And all of the lines were blurred out, so you couldn't see what it was. And so he said, stand up if this is you. And so he you know, peeled off the first one, and it said, anxiety and depression or suffering. The second one was easily distracted. The next one was, you know, struggle to pay attention. The next one was sometimes hyper right? You get where I'm going here. Shortly, everyone, 350 people are all standing up going, yeah, you know, that's me. And then he peels off the top, which says the diagnosis of ADHD. And everyone was like, oh, wow, holy smokes, like the whole room is standing up. Um, I have a kind of a hypothesis in this part here. And I don't mean to um, belittle anyone else in the world, but we have some other amazing traits with ADHD. We have insane amounts of energy. Like the energy is 10 times what the energy is of other people. Because we have that very high level of energy, we're able to endure a lot of stress. Um, And we feel different. We feel like we don't fit in. So, when you add all those things together, guess what? The majority of us become, right? Business owners, high achievers, right? Successful because we're driven and have all this. So, this is why a vast proportion of entrepreneurs, people doing great things in the world, all that kind of stuff, um, you know resonate strongly with this adhd thing
1: resonate resonate completely with that and i think when you actually look at a lot of um successful entrepreneurs and i think more so now because adhd is is is, is, is becoming i don't like to use the word mainstream but it's becoming more accepted and people are actually yeah. taking note and thinking oh okay um but there's a lot of entrepreneurs and successful people with adhd and and it's probably because they don't want to work or they, can't, or they find it challenging working for an organization or an employer um, because of everything that we've already listed um, in, in our conversations thus far. Um, yeah, exactly. Which is why they've got that drive and that passion to, like you say, not switch off. But that can be yes. so in burnout as well because- Oh, totally. On the clock in the morning on their laptop because- Totally. And then it's, I mean, it's, it's that balance. Isn't it? Well, I, th- I think it's, sorry, I think
0: it's harder for us to burn out, yeah. but we do yeah. burn out. Um, I think we can, uh, you know, in general, I see, what I see is sustain a much, much higher level of activity, of productivity um, than the majority of people um, because of that nuclear. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I have a nuclear power station inside me. Um, it's just like the energy is off the charts. And everyone says it around me, you know, they're just like, it's it's insane. You know, I just came back from L.A. and I spent the 11-hour flight top to bottom writing another webinar i mean it's 16 pages 97 slides it was done in the entire journey that was an overnight trip everyone else is sleeping you know it, it it's, it's, did you have
1: a passion for it did you get a doing oh, yeah
0: you know and yeah it'll change lives what was showing up for you and then i think let's talk a bit about the the science
1: out there right alcohol and adhd the link for me was, you know, I was going pat into a pattern um as you know, I wouldn't I'd never class myself I never classed myself as an alcoholic, i.e. as in, you know, you wake up in the morning, you've got the shakes and you've got to pour whiskey on your cornflakes, type of type of thing. Yeah. Um, but it was my counsellor, um, at the time that that kind of said to me, you know, he said, You're you're a functioning alcoholic. And I was like, Well, oh, explain that. So he kind of said, Well, you 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 can function. Um, but you don't know when to stop. By the sounds of it, from what you're telling me, when you drink, you have no kind of off switch. You can't just open a bottle of wine and and, and have a glass with with your meal. The, the the bottle's open, and already you're thinking about what am I going to drink when it's finished? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with that type of mentality? Um, and I also kind of thought to myself, that's that's and that's, that's the vast majority of people that I kind of knew, know or knew, um, and, and 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 kind of hang around with in terms of the company that I. I kept. And some of those people are still, you know, still friends. Don't get me wrong. Um, so, you know, for me, I would find that loop of Thursday, few drinks, Friday, it's Friday. Let's, you know, let's let's get twatted. Um, and then that kind of comes into Saturday. And um, so it, it, it was that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, before you know it, you know, Monday, you're hanging. Tuesday, you start to feel a little bit better, but very still jaded and just kind of functioning wednesday you're all right that's when you actually you know i actually did some work because i felt my normal self again and then you're back around to that thursday loop so yeah in terms of the 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 pattern and how it was impacting my work as well i guess um not that i could see it at the time yeah having it was just like a niggling and it yeah it, right, it's just has, I, I personally think it has such a negative impact on 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 society I understand you know why people might want to utilize it to celebrate but, but also to commiserate
0: now now Neil but I remember you in the pub you know and oh sorry you know I I, I remember you know how early in the journey it was for you because I could tell you were you were like well I've, I've done this period I'm not sure I never want to drink again I'm not sure this and I love the pub, you know, I still love that. And it, it it's very hard wrestling out of that identity of ourselves that we've built for for it. It takes time. Um people say it, it is not it is not the divorcing of alcohol which is which is um the the issue. It's the divorcing of the person we were um drinking.
1: It's, it's the harder part. Well it dovetails into the diagnosis as well. Yeah. Because I realized I was using alcohol as a way to um, kind of numb, of the incessant us, slow down, <laughs> switch it off for good yeah, sake. Absolutely. And also to fit in and just to get wasted and just forget. Yeah. It. And in the moment, it's fine. But the impact physically, mm-hmm. you know, overweight, poor diet choices, et cetera, but mentally, the mental health, I mean, it, it's a depressant. That's a fact, isn't it? Um, for those
0: not looking at Neil right now, he's definitely not overweight. He is a handsome chap, looking like he's got it all together.
1: Wow, well, I try, I try, I try, I try. Thank you. But um, you know, when you then start to do my own research, obviously did the program, the one year no beer, got the book, read that, or some other books around alcohol as well. Yeah. Um, and then the the link with alcohol and you know, it's ethanol. Ethanol is a chemical. You light it and you know, you're going to go up in flames and it's, it's like, what? Just the science behind it all you read it and you're like, yeah, why on earth am I doing that? Um, and then when I factor in the, the impact it has on my mental health and from someone that, that, that struggles with mental health, why am I amplifying that by, by drinking? Because that's just making my mental health even worse. That, I guess, was was what... Well, the diagnosis really was a massive kickstart for me. A massive, massive kickstart. And totally. then lockdown. Because, you know, my diagnosis yeah. happened just before lockdown. And then lockdown, I drank an awful lot, like a lot of people I know. Um, mm, yep. Because we thought there was nothing else to do. Um, and I just felt terrible for it. And then January, 1st of January came. And I'm like, right let's shift this i was 16 stone which is the heaviest i've ever been i'm six foot three um i'm now 12 stone, on steady 12 stone um having you know not drank for for that little blip as i mentioned for almost three years now um and the mental clarity is a lot clearer and i think knowing more around the neurodiversity and the the challenge that comes with being nd um i I'm starting to actually really know who I am, and I don't think I've known who I am for what would have been 41. I'm 45 now, but but at the start of that ADHD journey for like 41, 42 years, I've not been my true yeah. self because I've not known who I am because I've been using yeah. alcohol to mask it. Didn't know I had ADHD, so I'm almost looking at it like a football match, Rory. So I've had the first half of my life now. If I yes live till I'm four, till I'm 90, um, I'll do everything I'll do everything in my power to ensure you're I- you're doing the right things. Um, and now I'm like, this is the second half. So let's not look back at the past, you know, I've exactly. made the peak, but I've learned, I, I am where I am and let's continue learning. Let's continue growing and let's continue trying to help other people not necessarily have to navigate life as I had to up to, you know, my early forties. And if, and if that can help someone, then brilliant. Totally. So, um, you know,
0: the, the relationship with alcohol and neurodivergence, specifically ADHD, but neurodivergence is very, very well researched and, and known. You're many more times likely to develop alcohol use disorder or issues with alcohol being ADHD. Um, can you give us some research, anything you know around that um, that, you, that you're seeing specifically?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a strong links with ADHD and addiction in general. Whether that's, yep. Or whether that's drugs to totally. class Bs, um, so you look at you look at the uh, the prison system. There's a classic example, actually. Um, don't query on these figures. Forgive me, but I think it's around 50, 50, 50, 55%, um, which is high numbers of those um, young offenders, for instance, that that have ADHD traits and they've gone wow. the educational system. They've been the naughty individual. Um, I was. I guess it depends on where you grow up, doesn't it? I, I totally feel like I could have been there. No, I'm, 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 I'm the same, but I was lucky in that I had a good upbringing. Yeah, I was lucky. A middle, a middle class upbringing is what I'd say. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was surrounded by people that I could, you know, just kind of guide me and 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 the like. But I guess if you were brought up in a different environment where you don't totally really have people that can help guide you in the right direction, and you're constantly being told. You're a little shit and yes. you're a no-hoper and yes. the world is nothing for you. You're going to fail at what you do. Um, I didn't have that. I was told I was a little shit many times. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, um, but I guess it's then looking at you, you kind of start to understand, I guess, why some people might turn to things like petty crime and, and, and things like that to survive Completely. a job because they're not understood because they feel like they don't fit in because they're not supported in, in, in society, when they go out into the big bad world after schooling, after education um, and and the like. So, I mean, links with alcohol, sorry, addiction and ADHD are, are quite vast. And when you actually start to look at, I guess, the statistics when it comes around to, you know, how many people have ADHD.
0: Uh, yeah. What is that? What is that? What is the estimate? I mean, not the actual
1: diagnosis.
0: The the estimate.
1: It's around two point six million people in the UK. They, they from from studies we've done, research we've done um, that that have got it. So it's around five percent of children and around three and a half percent of the adult population. Um, when you look at the autistic spectrum, it's around one percent population. Um, so it's obviously a lot less. But it's autism. I think is a lot more um, researched.
0: But have we got have we got some guesstimates that actually is way, way 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 bigger than that?
1: Um, I would I would anticipate it is. You know, I think what is it's I think it's around two point six million people have ADHD in the UK. This is all approximate. Yeah, only only around up up to five hundred thousand we think are actually aware they have ADHD. Wow. So there's going to be a lot there that obviously, you know, have. Um, are unaware of it. And there's a lot... Large- yeah, completely. As well, I think it's 7 to 6% of ADHD is explained genetically. But the severity differs for individuals within families. And obviously, the challenge of undiagnosed family members thinking their way of, of living is normal.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it was so freeing. Like you've said, it's so freeing to find out. And what I always say to people is, look, even if you feel like you are, just go and read some books about it. Go and look into it because it is so freeing. And you can kind of like be like, okay, I don't need the label. If that's your choice, I can, not you can choose the label or not have the label, but you can identify and resonate with yourself and you can communicate to others and help, you know, all of that. I think it's a a really positive thing to do. But, um, so now with ADHD UK, um, what specifically you up to in the world? Um, what's, what's the latest
1: things you're doing? Yeah. What's the message you're sending out? time I get with this and working with them um, with with our our, our chief exec chief executive gentleman called Henry Shelford who's the co-founder as well. I met him, lovely chap. He's 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 just got so much energy and so much passion to change how ADHD is and he and the charity and we I should say are doing an awful lot. So we've we've funded research at the University of Glasgow into the link between suicide and ADHD. Um, and the findings are quite, quite, quite tough. Um, so it's, it's one, one in four men or boys with ADHD diagnosis will attempt to take their own life at some point and they're like, Yeah, then it's one in four. So 25% of women or girls with an ADHD diagnosis will attempt to take their life at some point. So then when you strip all of that back Rory and then start looking at getting a diagnosis or getting an assessment on the NHS and the wait times, which is something else we're doing. So again, this is all on our website, by the way. So if anyone jumps on our website, we've got a bit on there where you can type in your postcode and it will tell you in your region, what the wait times are for an ADHD assessment for children and adults. Um, so if anyone is wanting to know, jump on the website, you know, I think I have got ADHD, I need to go and get an, I want to go and get an assessment. I can't afford to go privately because I don't have that luxury. Um, I go to my GP um, and I'm told, yeah, no problem, Neil, but you know the wait time is eight years, which in some regions, from our findings, for the Freedom of Information Act that we've um, uh, the research that we've, we've done, in some regions in the UK, is up to eight years to get an assessment. Um, so the point I'm trying to allude to here is, I'm suffering from anxiety. I'm suffering from depression. I'm suffering from suicidal thoughts. Um, I have got to wait eight years to get access to medication, to psychological support. Um, what am I going to do in that eight years? And yeah, what's, what's happening there? Why what is that? That? Um, it's, it's the NHS that, you know, they're underfunded, they're overworked, um, in, in many areas and I think, you know, we are really lobbying and trying to drive, um, awareness within 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 government as well. Around yeah. the the actual impact that ADHD can have on, on 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 people, um in society. And when you as I say, when you look at those statistics, it's is quite scary. And then the wait times for assessment um is quite frankly, it's unacceptable. And yeah. that's, that's 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 not me pointing fingers at the NHS at all. No, it's just but, unfortunately no, there's the state I'm, of I'm living the
0: state world state. at the moment. Yeah. So, so does that mean that you're providing some good resources for anyone who is looking, searching that there's support there?
1: 100. percent Again, on the website, you know, it's Henry and the team have put so much time and effort into into that, and um, they've also gone down because there was, um I don't know if you saw on the news a few few weeks ago, but there was a, a shortage of ADHD medication as well mm. as a result of they were saying is a result of obviously um, more people being diagnosed, but obviously it's a supply chain issue. issue. Um, but there's a lot on the website around that too, around the medication and 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 how many people are being medicated and how many um, prescriptions are being um, written in 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 all the areas and in the integrated care boards within the NHS uh, and the like. So some really some really 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 good support on our website for people that want to understand more around the challenges in their area. There's support for psychiatrists and trained ADHD coaches. Um, we've got support groups. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot you can find on there, but we're doing a lot of research at the minute, basically Rory to raise awareness and advocacy, um, and really make sure that people are aware of, of the challenges that yeah. the, that, that that's faced and how we can how we can make a difference fundamentally to ensure that people don't have to wait 8 years to get an assessment and yep. we're, so we're talking to a lot of NHS um charities we're talking to a lot of NHS tr- mental health trusts as well um around what we can do well, good for you for for, for
0: getting inspired by something. There's nothing quite like removing alcohol um, to um, give you clarity and focus and, and actually realize, you know, actually I need to have an
1: impact. Do, do you know what? I'll be honest with you. If I was still drinking, I wouldn't have been trying no. to be at my local homeless shelter because I wouldn't have thought I, well, basically had the time, but also actually had the confidence in myself. To, to be a, 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 that was my first step into a trustee role, which I, I stood down from when I was asked to take on the chair role. Um, and having removed alcohol from my life, it, it's given me more confidence. It's given me more clarity. I can see things are clearer I'm not scared to grow and push my boundaries. Whereas before I was just happy, just going on yeah. that in yeah. life and that kind of groundhog day, just like dang, life. it makes mediocre. Okay. It makes me feel cocaine. Look, look, I'm not poo pooing that. If people are happy in that environment. Absolutely, yeah. you know, I'm sore. It's made me realise I've got a bit of a fire in my belly that's not been lit basically for for most of my life. And now I've, I've I've taken alcohol out of my life, and I understand more about myself. Given 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 the diagnosis, um, it's given me a bit more passion and and belief. To be honest with you, or in confidence and and self worth and and belonging, and yeah. Like I said earlier on, when we started speaking, feeling that like I can belong in this, in who I am. Yeah, it's so op- powerful. As opposed to question myself, which is what I was doing an awful lot of the time. Always feeling like an F- F- outcast. I think you know, and yeah, average. Yeah, you know, I read average. I think it was an F one F one racer I had on a, a podcast. Um, on I think it was the high performance podcast. It might be. Yeah. Where- um, who said average is easy that's why it's popular yeah <laughs> Same post on my whiteboard here um, you know the opposite of belonging is fitting in Brené Brown there's uh, another mm-hmm. one at the audience now we all obviously all know that one and it's 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 these things that I've been I've had the time I've had the the time and the mental kind of clarity to be able to just learn and understand myself more and realise that yeah, I, I I like my, I like my own company, you know, it's, if I want to sit and be on my own for a weekend, I can do that. And I don't need to explain myself to anyone if I just need to get away from the the chaos that is, or that can be life, you know, I need, I need calm and peace in my life. And I apologize to that, even though I can be quite chaotic, but I, I, I need calm and peace just to ground myself sometimes and just remember what's important. Super cool. Neil, it's
0: been amazing to chat to you and I'm so glad we can share this, um, yeah, share this word about ADHD and, you know, I'm incredibly passionate. I came to talk at ADHD UK conference and thank you so much for having me. It's something I'm incredibly passionate about. I know people are going to listen to this and it's going to change some people's lives because they're going to be like, huh, you know what? And now, you know, we've pointed people onto the resources. So if you even think if there's any element of you I mean listen to this that resonates with this maybe you family member you know somebody around you then head to adhduk.co.uk tons of resources you your family um, people around you to be able to understand um, and deal with adhd uh, if it's you and you're you're feeling you know anxious depressed alone like you don't fit in and all of those things welcome to the club there is support out there We can we we can all support and help each other. Um, It seems to be that those thoughts, those feelings, they're normal for us. Um, And I think when you learn the tools and techniques and and have the support around you to deal with them, that's when life starts to accelerate. Neil, thank you so much for coming on the show. Anything you want to add? Anything you want to? No, just
1: thanks for having me. And I think it's it's probably the worst named, um, you know, deficit and disorder. Is um is is the worst name, condition? I say condition, it's not condition. No, and look, if anyone listening, should we change it to just
0: being diagnosed with being awesome?
1: Yeah, I think that's a the... good
0: I've I've been diagnosed with
1: being awesome. But you know, so, I, I've, I've made I've, I've made some good friends actually from from people reaching out to me. Um, one of them actually I was with last night at a book launch. Um, mm. for kidney research, and he reached out to me because he just saw some content I was putting on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah. I guess what I'm what I'm saying is if anyone wants to reach out and have a conversation, hey, look, I'm all up for surrounding myself with like-minded people because in your own community, whether that's alcohol-free, whether that's neurodiverse, whatever, um, if you surround yourself with like-minded people, you've got a whole chance of, of thriving and, 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 and being your authentic self. So I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's, that's a
0: good point because you are a prolific. Um, it's wonderful, the content that you put out there. Uh, the research, the science, the stuff, the work that you're doing. So, on LinkedIn, N-E-A-L, Neil Mankey,
1: M-A-N-K-E-Y. Not many Neil Mankeys you'll find on LinkedIn. So Exactly. So, he is the one and only unique.
0: Yeah, yeah. Try Rory Fairbairns. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're unique, Neil. That's very true. So good to chat to you. Thanks for coming on Likewise. the show.
1: Cheers, Rory. Take care.